Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. Yet another version of the Tim May Podcast. I keep having friends, uh, I call them friends of the family on, because uh, a lot of the people I have on here, I've known for years, decades, uh, plural decades. And, uh, you know, I had Angelique Shingelis on, one of my favorite people of all time. And I've got another one coming on now uh, to talk about the state of the Big Ten. Uh, what what you might see coming around the corner with this, uh, some jeopardy, maybe players and players' families aren't uh, maybe taking into account, et cetera. But this Dave Jones, columnist for PinLive.com, and before that, uh, you know, he worked for the, the mighty Columbus Dispatch. Uh, Dave Jones, welcome back to the Tim A. Podcast. Can I tell a story about how long I've known you? Since as, long you as, it's, uh, as long as it's clean. <laughs> 1980. You don't remember this. You Wait, a minute. Remember Wait a minute. As long as it's cleaned up. Go ahead. 1980. I think it was November 1980. Some old crusty uh, bastard at the Ohio State Journalism Department. I only took one journalism course because my major was industrial design. And I'm just, this is an elective. I've, I've gone to like half the classes because I've got a tough major. And it came up on the term paper at the end, which was like, 60% of the grade. I had to do well on this thing. I wasn't prepared. Um, but at the last minute, I decided, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to do the, the, the thesis was Homerism in sports journalism. Oh, man. There you go. Oh. <laughs> you know where I'm going. Yeah. Go ahead. I won't have to go into it with you. But, but, but I don't know you. I haven't started to work at the dispatch yet. It's, it's like a month before I came in there the first day with Ray Stein. We started on the same day as part-timers. So this is a couple, a few weeks before that. Yeah. And I called you, Tim Sullivan, who's now in Louisville, who was before in San Diego and is, was at that time at the Cincinnati Inquirer. And I called Marty Brenneman and Skip Carey. Wow. I got Skip Carey at his hotel room. I, it must have been like September because the baseball season was still going on. So I got him at his hotel room in Montreal. I, God knows how I did it because, you know, this is before cell phones or email or anything. Dude, wait a minute. Let me interrupt. Yeah. Back then it was easier to get a hold of people by calling them on their home or their business phones and get them on their cell phones today. Now go ahead. Yeah, it's true. I got him in a hotel room. I found out somehow where his – where he was and it yeah. was easier to get numbers too because people yeah. were so crazy anyway uh he gave me 20 minutes talking about <laughs> and, I still remember, and you were really nice to me i came down to the dispatches the first time i i set foot in the columbus dispatch and you told me the whole story about woody hayes uh supposedly resigning and then you had to rewrite it saying yeah. Woody was fired. Yeah. um but skip carey told me all sorts of stuff about and he, he, I still remember him. He couldn't have been nicer. He was like, you know, I, I, we all know that we, we want the Braves to win. Of course, we're, we're around these guys all the time. We know them. And, uh, you know, it's okay for us to want the Braves to win. But, but as far as objectivity, if something comes up that I have to be objective about, I'm absolutely going to tell the truth. If any other thing than that is that's verboten. And I remember I, I had to look up verboten because I didn't know what the <laughs> word meant. <laughs> hey, dude, dude, that sounded like Will Ferrell's audition for Saturday Night Live, except he was doing his dad. Come on. <laughs> Come on. That was a pretty good skip. Carry. That was very good. That was excellent. 
<laughs> anyway, John, John Drew from 22 <laughs> goes 20. Wow. Well, Rebound hey, to Tree Rollins. I don't mean to bring up something, you know, before we get into this, but, you know, you, you heard what happened with Tom Brenneman over the weekend. That's kind of why I brought weekend. it up, yeah. yeah and, uh, yeah. but, oh, my goodness, he's given his mea culpa, I mean, his apology, and he continues to call the game. Uh, that was that was stunning. And I, I've met Tom Brenneman a few times. I always thought he was a nice guy. You know, he was a good guy. Always, always determine what people are based on how they treat me, you know. But, uh, yeah. man, one little, you know, one slip up anymore, and that was a major slip up. Let's put it that Man, way. A slip up. That was of a window. That was, that was a banana peel you know, you know, into who he is. That, thing. that was a banana peel to the floor. You're exactly right. And uh, wow, but uh, those guys, man, they're just every night they're out there putting it on the line, you know. And how they don't slip up even more in just like regular language is beyond well, Tony me. Kornheiser slipped up. You know, yeah. The thing with uh, the thing with uh, um, Hannah Storm. That yeah. was a Slip up. Yes, that was that was getting mouthy, and and he got suspended for two weeks. Yeah, this this was a window, I think, into who the guy was. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between a slip up and falling out a window. You're exactly right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I'm not going to make judgments uh, one way or the other. I'm yeah. sure there was there were other circumstances there. One of which was your your director not letting you know you were back on the air. You know, and uh, how about that? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's still a seven second delay, right? Yeah, I mean, I I would I would think it's like so. Someone left him out to dry on purpose. Yeah, uh, who knows? Paywall. I don't know. I don't know. Well, speaking about being left out to dry on purpose, uh, Dave, the reason my call is you've been covering Big Ten football, uh, just Big Ten athletics long is longer longer than I have for for the most part. And uh, speaking of being left out left out to dry on purpose, about Kevin Warren. <laughs> yeah. Well, now not necessarily. Let's get to that in a minute, but just you know. Do do you uh, do you think if Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Nebraska and Iowa had all flexed their muscles a little bigger, would would training camps being going on, or at least on those campuses right now, and and on those particular campuses, but in the Big Ten right now, what what is your take on? Uh, the way things went down a week and a half ago. No, because that would you're talking about athletic directors and coaches, but the guys who made the decisions are presidents. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. if the if the if the presidents had reflected what their coaches and athletic directors thought about the situation, and by the way, some of their medical people thought this was a tenable was a you this was a viable situation as long as you kept your your guard up and your protocols in place, but. Do you think we would be covering preseason camps right now? Yeah, we would be until the season started. Yeah. I don't think this is a viable situation for colleges. Regardless, I don't. And I think the presidents think that. But I think they jumped the gun, too. Well, I mean, why not play it out for a while? Right. Uh, I don't think they needed to make a decision necessarily when they did. And that's the thing that really rankles. To me, I mean, it was like what we talked about on the phone. To me, it's so much so much reminded me of 30 years ago with Penn State's invitation into the league. Now that was done, that was fast-tracked covertly for a reason, because Dan Eikenberry, who was then the president of the esteemed Council of Ten, which is what they used to call the Council of Presidents and Chancellors. Dude, you know, you ought, to do, you ought to do voices, you ought to do voices for a living. Now go ahead now. What? The Council of Ten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they needed to fast track that covertly or they didn't think it was ever going to get through because they knew what the ADs and the, and the coaches would have said. 
there was a reason to not communicate there. There was no reason not to communicate here. Yeah. If, if you're going to be a leader, why not, why not sit everyone down behind the scenes and say, look, this is what we think. We want to run it by you, even if you've made your mind up first, Timbo. Even yeah. if you've made your mind up, yeah. act like the coaches and the ADs have a part in the decision. Yeah. That's, that's finessing a situation just smartly, so you, intelligently, so you don't have to make your life more problematic, right? Yeah. If you're Kevin Warren. Yeah. Um, it, in, in my mind, there was no loss in Kevin Warren doing that. Making everyone involved in the decision, and if you want to act unilaterally as the presidents apparently wanted to, all right. You, 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 can you imagine Jim Delaney allowing this to happen nope. in his later years? There's no later way years. in hell. Yeah. There is no way in hell. I don't know. I, this is a perfect expression for it, but he would have everyone pissing through the same straw. Is it okay to say that on your podcast? Yeah, just don't go graphically into that, but I think we can handle that. <laughs> Sarsaparilla, ladies would, and gentlemen. He would have everyone, by the time the announcement was made. That might have been he, the term he would have used, by the way, but go ahead. <laughs> he might have. He might. But see, early in his career, it was his rookie year when Penn State was Yeah, talk about that. Explain down. people what you're talking about there. That was, that was an interesting moment in his December career. December 14, 1989, I had been at the Harrisburg Patriot News, where I still am, which is now called PennLive.com, PA Media Group, uh, for only uh, – it, it was – I had only been there four months. And I was there to, to start covering Penn State basketball. I was covering Pitt football at the time. And that announcement came over, and nobody could believe it. It blindsided everyone. Well, it blindsided everyone for a reason, is the, the presidents had fast-tracked it. They be believed it was viable, and it turned out to be a, a really smart decision because yeah. Penn State has been a, a great addition revenue-wise for the league and vice versa. Uh, but at the time, the, the ADs and the coaches were not – told at all about it. I just went back and read my story. I wrote a story on it five years later. I went and got Stan Eikenberry and, um, you know, it was out the shoot by that time. Everyone agreed by that time Penn State had actually been playing football for a couple of years. They just won the Big Ten. They were going to the Rose Bowl to play Oregon. So it was December of 94 when I got him on the phone and I couldn't believe he was going to talk to me. He called me back and he told a story a bunch of stories and most of them off the record, but I, I could use them because they were background. And then I called Bo Schembeck with all the stuff that I, I knew at some point and asked him about that day. And he said he was on the practice field. It was before his last game, I believe his coach where he was going to coach him in the Rose bowl and then, and then become athletic director. And he, Oh, Oh man. He just loved telling the story. He was, I believe he was out on the practice field. It was like two in the afternoon and somebody went and got him and said, the new commissioner, Jim Delaney, is going to have a conference call at 2 o'clock. You, you need to be on it. He's like, what the hell is this about? He goes in, and he, he must have told this story for 10 minutes. He goes, gets on the phone, and he said, Delaney says, gentlemen, Penn State is going to be the next team in the Big Ten. We'll be invited to the Big Ten. And he said, there was silence on the phone line. You got, you got 10 coaches, athletic directors on the phone. And he said both, both, both said he finally just broke in and said, you got to be shitting me. I had to put in the story S-H dash 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 I-N-G. Yeah, shaving me. It was, yeah. 
I, I wanted that in the story so badly because it really perfectly encapsulated Bo Beckler and the way he thought. Yeah. And the shock of the whole thing. And yeah. I remember that was like a two-hour debate in 1994 that I get that in the story, but we got it in the story. Yeah. And, 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 and that was the attitude. For the next six months, it was a total, it was chaos. Yeah. It was much worse than this. It yeah. was totally dysfunctional. The coaches and the ADs had been blindsided. Uh, Bob Knight, the, the, that day, was quoted by saying, I've been to Penn State. There's nothing around for 100 miles. It's a goddamn camping trip. You know, <laughs> he was pissed off. Yeah. Uh, Rick Bay was really pissed off, who was then the uh, Minnesota athletic director. Right. Um, and those were the three schools, I believe, that voted no. Um, yeah. Nils Hasselhoff from Minnesota. Um, Thomas Ehrlich, I believe it was, from Indiana, and Jim Duderstadt from Michigan. And if one more, one more nay vote had happened, and I, I had always heard that Arnold Weber from Northwestern was on the fence because they thought, Northwestern thought, we're going to be switched out. No one could envision a Big Ten with more than 10. It's in the name. Yeah. Well, what are they going to call it, the Big 11? So, you know, Northwestern, it had been rumored for years that they might be out of the league for other reasons. Yeah. Carl Weber, I, I believe, thought, I've been told, I've never spoken to him specifically, he thought they were going to be switched out for Penn State. So until his fears were allayed that they, that wasn't going to happen, he was going to vote no, too, and that would have been four down. Uh, Gene Corrigan told me years later that they would have had Penn State in the league and Penn State would have been in the ACC because they would yeah. have been voted down. The Big Ten would have had to renege on the whole thing with a 6-4 vote, and they needed 7-3. They got 7-3. And Jim Delaney came out with an announcement afterward that said the vote was 10-0. Well, it wasn't. Even in Iowa City, six months later, it wasn't 10-0. It wasn't yeah. unanimous. But that's what the announcement said. I yeah. didn't learn until five years later. But Jim Delaney, by that time, had enough power that he got everyone to say, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Kevin Warren didn't do that at all, man. And now you got chaos. You got chaos. Yeah, but he said he said there was a vote. I mean, you know, he said there was a vote in his latest treatise that he uh, released last week. And, was there a vote uh, or wasn't there? There's a, a debate on whether because I think some of the people no who, one can no one some can of the people who supposedly voted don't remember voting. They remember voicing their opinions, but yeah. they don't remember vo voting. Yeah. And so, you know, it's kind of like you know somebody sitting there going, well, I. I take that as a yay, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, or was it a voice vote? You know, yeah. yeah. Well, to me, to me, it's about leadership. Is about communication. Yeah, you have to give your people under you at least the implication. You have to imply that you're, they're part of the decision. Yeah. You have to give them a voice, even if they don't really have one. Let them talk. Let them talk to you. Let them voice their concerns, even scream and yell back and forth with them. But then love them up and say, look. And then Delaney was famous for doing this. He, would, he, he could yell and scream for the best of them. But once the decision came down to it, he said, look, we, we've got disagreements here, but we have to be a unified front. Yeah, we're working, working out of here as allies, not, right. not 18 right. enemies. Yeah. Because it's yeah. best for all of us that way. Yeah, I, th I think it was. Yeah, I think John Cooper kind of. I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something about, "Well, yeah, they vote, and they don't have to play them every year." You know, in football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, Penn State, man, that was that was the heyday under Joe Paterno. Agreed. 
Papa I mean, Joe. Isn't that what I joke? Yeah, Papa Joe. Yeah, Super Papa Joe. Yeah. Papa Joe. Yeah. Papa Joe. Yeah, he called per- Pearl is George Peerless, but uh, that's just some George, of it. George yeah. Peerless? Yeah, that's George cool. Peerless instead of Perlis. I remember uh, when he was talking about, I got a running back named Butler Benote. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, I used to try, I used to try to get Benotes, the possessive Benote, in the paper as often as possible. Because let me tell you, you have to have three apostrophes <laughs> in the same word. There's already enough apostrophe abuse in the world. We don't need that. <laughs> yeah, but it was funny. But but going back to that, well, like you said, I mean, Jim Delaney, I'm not sure anybody called him on the carpet for that. You know, for announcing it was a unanimous situation to go from no, 10 nobody to 11. Did. Nobody yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the, you know, Minnesota, Michigan, and Indiana were not happy. About yeah. That. Oh, no. They didn't, they didn't really see the light for years later. And then they finally yeah. did. Bo, yeah. Bo, to his credit, during that conversation, goes, we all know now that Penn State's a great addition because that was 1994. Yes. Uh, we, he said, we just wanted to be included. And I think that's the problem now. Yeah. These, these athletic directors and coaches didn't feel like they were included. In yeah, and the interesting thing here, Dave, don't run his back, because I talked with Angelique about this. Uh, Shingelis from the Detroit News. I mean, you know, she covers Michigan, been covering Michigan as long as you've been covering, you know, Penn State and now is a columnist and stuff. But, uh, you know, the guys who were really involved in all the parameter setting back in the spring, I mean, I wrote a long time ago a story on LettermanRoad.com back in March that I thought they would go to an intra-conference schedule and get rid of the out-of-conference games this year just because it gave you a, a better chance to police, you know, your neighborhood instead of a whole city, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and of course, they went to that. But my point was that the athletic director were meeting two or three, maybe four or five times a week at times on Zoom calls, coordinating, you know, keeping up with what each guy was doing, what was going on at each and every school for, for several months. But it's like, it's like all of that – kind of didn't matter based on what I'm hearing is that uh, the consensus there would have been, Hey, let's, let's keep trying this. Let's, you know, maybe push back the start. If we have to, we built this buffer into the schedule. We just announced let's push. We've got, we've got some buffer there. Let's push back. If we have to to late September, or October, but let's see what, you know, what we can do is they already missed spring football, you know, and uh, if anything, it's, people yeah, could, it's not, it's not like these people, but they didn't. They weren't in on the final decision, is what no, I'm it's trying not, to no, get. It's not like these people wouldn't be prepared eventually. Yeah. For a cancellation this season. Right. Exactly. They just wanted. They put in all this effort, expended all this time and effort. money. Money. Well, well, but but it's sweat. Yeah. It's it's oh, yeah. sweat equity into doing this as they were told to do it, and then it was it was like corporate headquarters just pulls the plug. Everyone hates working for an organization like that. Yeah. You, you're given a plan. You, you work like hell to implement the plan. And then as the plan seems to be bearing fruit, even if it's ultimately not going to work, and I don't think it was going to work, but, but you've got you've to see your plan come to fruition or it's yeah. poor leadership. Oh, yeah. And then the, it's, the plug is pulled prematurely without any indication. Of course, everyone was, was upset. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and uh, you know, the, the SEC is plowing into it as we speak. I agree with you. I keep saying, I keep reminding people, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12, they've yet to play a game. Okay. We'll, we'll see if they get to that. 
I, I think your gut feeling is is the same as mine. I mean, you know, Vanderbilt had to shut down his football, I think, for a day or two, and they had a couple of positive tests. Uh, you know, uh, will they get to that or not? But 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 if they do, Dave, I mean, if they do play, if they're playing in October and getting through life, going on with their life, even in front of sparse crowds, you know, you see where Cincinnati's going to open their season uh, with no fans in Nippert Stadium, but they're playing. But if they get to where they're playing in October, what's that going to do? You know, you know what James – I mean, Ryan Day is going to be beside himself. Justin Fields is going to be beside himself. Um, that somebody's getting to play and we're not. What do you think? I mean, what do you think will be the reaction if, they, if we get to that? I think that hypothetical is pretty uh, unlikely. Pretty hypothetical? Uh, yeah. But it's possible, and it's our job to – to talk about possibilities. So I think what I've been thinking anyway is that, and you would know this as well as anybody, more than anyone, because you've been, and people might know my, my brother-in-law is Fred Jackson, who's coached down in the South. He's, he's from Louisiana. Uh, his, his dad grew up down there. I mean, he's really from Michigan, but his, his family grew up in Louisiana. Um, He's coached under Jerry DiNardo at Vanderbilt. He's coached under Joe Morrison at South Carolina. I've been down there to see games. You know, I had an argument with a Penn State fan who thought he knew that fans in the Midwest and the Northeast are just like fans everywhere. And I was like, no, they're not. The Southern football fans are a different breed entirely. They are absolutely a different breed entirely. This you all grew up in Alabama and Texas, right? Go ahead now. This guy, yeah. this guy had moved from State College down to uh, somewhere in South Carolina. And, you know, he said, I've been to games at South Carolina. I've been to games at Penn State. Fans are the same. I said, well, have you been to games? I said, you, you may think you know because you know what it's like at Beaver Stadium with 107,000 fans. Have you been to Champaign in November? Yeah. Have you been to Bloomington? <laughs> have you been to Rutgers? Have you been to Maryland? Yeah. Have you been to Purdue? Have you been to these places when, when the season is shot? That, that kind of stuff doesn't happen in the you should Wait a minute. You should not throw that many pies in one person's face. I don't <laughs> care how obnoxious he is. It now, really is half the league. It's <laughs> yeah. half the Big Ten. This, when the season is, it gets into cold weather, oh, yeah. lot, half the schools are thinking about basketball season. That oh, is yeah. not true in the South. In yeah. Anywhere in the South. And they have, they have more invested in life with football. College and, and, football I, is yeah. life. To I explain it to people all the time. And, and, you know, I will say this. Penn State, man, they have quite the constituency. You know, yes. Ohio State, uh, Michigan, uh, Iowa, uh, you know, Wisconsin. we're talking Nebraska, of course. And, you know, Wisconsin, Nebraska. And exactly. I mean. Half the league. It's, but it's part of – I remember growing up as a kid, man, football season, I'd get depressed when football season was over, you know. I mean, and, you know, you're not – you know, you, you're you pretty much a man of the you're, – you're pretty much a cosmopolitan kind of man, but I was a football – I mean, I loved football. And Dude, I understand – You selling Coke, Coca-Cola and hot dogs at Ohio Stadium. I know, but you did you that for money, not – I mean, I You did that for college. money, not for passion. No, I'm just messing with you. You know I'm messing with you. <laughs> but, I mean, but my point was there are people like that who are – way over the top. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Updike, 
uh, Harvey Updike, he lived in Lufkin for a while. You know, the guy, the, the, uh, the poison tree thing. He lived in my hometown in Texas for a while. He was a friend of my big brother, Ben. Uh, these people are, they live and breathe it. And uh, to take it away from them is, 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 a, is a little bit of a slight tragedy. But you still got to be, bottom line, you got to be safe, right? I mean, you've got to. Yeah, but, but to get back to, to the point I was about to make is that those people are going to give it every single possible chance to succeed yeah. because it's part of their life, man. Good point. They're going to, they, and, and not only that, but if it comes off, your hypothetical, yeah. even if they get into November before pulling the plug or late October, those, those people will have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt to people like that fan I was arguing with, that the sport matters more in the South. Yes. Some people think they don't really realize up in the Midwest and the, in the North Seas. They've never been down there. They don't understand. Yeah. And that is going to make college football more of a regional sport than even it is now. And I think it's becoming a regional sport, man. And, and that's sad to me because I grew up in the 60s and 70s when college football was a national obsession. I mean, you – you didn't see as much of it until the CFA agreement, which I remember you covering in 1984 yeah. and cable and then cable exploded. And all of a sudden you saw, all of a sudden you see so many games. But when I was growing up in the late sixties, I mean, it was fascinating oh, yeah. to see, to, to see two games in one day on Saturday. Oh and yeah. You'd see whatever the, the big 10 game was. And then they'd go out West and you'd watch USC and UCLA. You yeah, know, and, and you and, watch the Notre Dame replay. Oh, yeah. with, oh, you watch Lindsey Nelson on Sunday yeah. morning. Yeah. I mean, that's all you had. Bill but Fleming it was on national, that ABC show. Yeah. It was a national obsession, man. Yes. It, yeah. and all the country was involved. I don't think that's going to be true much longer. I just don't. But I think, we'll, you I know, think we'll, it's becoming a Southern sport. Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that because I really thought the Big Ten has really come back pretty damn strong here. I mean, I mean uh, – uh, the Big Ten Network had a lot to do with that, I do believe, in, in the sense of also showing the capability of college football to generate ridiculous sums of money, which mm -hmm. is what we're talking about. Which Another Jim Delaney credit. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and uh, but let's get that. back to what we're, you know, you and I were talking about something else. I mean, you know, because you and I could sit here for four hours and just keep going off on these. Let me just say one thing is what I think is that it's going to make more, it's going to make Southern recruiting even. If in fact it comes off like the hypothetical. And they already, they already have the mother load down there. Yeah. And the entire Gulf coast is the mother load of all talent. And, and they, they already own that. I think you could see Northern kids going down South to play more often. Yeah. That'll, that'll kill it. Up. Let me ask you this, but let's get to this. I mean, this is what is really just striking right now is in this, in this episode also in our lives is uh, Bill Hancock. They put out a press release as we talked today yes, sir. Setting, saying when they were going to release the first college football playoff rankings, you know, I think early November, if I remember correctly, all the way, the final one will be December the 20th. My point is life, is going on, you know, without the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Of course, they weren't even in it, Big Ten and Pac-12, for two years there at one point. But my point is, they're going on. Uh, uh, Big Ten NCAA has no say. The NCAA has no say in this when it comes to major college football. Yeah. There's nobody sitting at the top saying, "Are you kidding me? 
We can't have three conferences playing and two not playing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, that's where we're at here. That this began is, to end in 1984. Yeah. That was when the NCAA started to lose their grip, and now they have no grip at all. So, really so where does this 20, go? Where does this really go, ended okay? in 2015 when you, – you notice how the guys on ESPN call it the auton, Autonomy Five? Yeah, you know? yeah. Because that's – they became the Autonomy Five, not the Power Five as we call them. Yeah. When they gained autonomy from the NCAA in 2015. Yeah. And really the NCAA just acquiesced and said, we, we'll let you do – we'll let you set your own rules and do whatever the hell you want. And at that point – there was no one to oversee the whole thing. There yeah. is no grand czar of college football. And in this age that we're in where everyone wants to go off individually and do what's ever better, best for their own organization, their own person, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to gain a consensus to get to see that's something else that the Big Ten probably didn't do. I don't know. And this is what James Franklin said that I don't know that we, meaning the Big Ten, gave it our best effort to all of the power conferences get together and decide Correct. a uniform protocol, a uniform standard of what we want to do, how long we're going to wait and be together as, as five power conferences together in this decision. Correct. And he said we might, have, we might have tried a little and it might not have worked, but we didn't try hard enough. And yeah, I agree and that's that. what – that's what's really missing. I mean, if everybody got on board and say, "Hey, we're kicking this back to late December, January. We'll play ten games then. Then we'll get to cut." I mean, for one year, we're not talking about the rest of our lives. Yeah, you know. But they couldn't do that. I mean, they have to. <clears throat> it's always a competition. You and I have talked about this a million times. The NCAA rule book is that thick <laughs> because somebody's always looking at the fine print in between. It's not there. You know what I mean? Type thing. But it's the same way in this. You're always looking <clears throat> to get that edge, you know, and I think the SEC sees itself and the ACC, it's hard to believe, you know, we're talking about Wake Forest and, uh, you know, North Carolina mm. and uh, <laughs> some of those guys getting an edge on the Big Ten, but you Dude. see what I'm saying. The <laughs> league itself, if they play and the Big Ten doesn't, it's going to look really, well, really something poor. Well, something else is going to happen. In order <laughs> to play, they have to get liability settled. Yeah. Well, they ain't going to take on liability. These conferences, these, these schools in these conferences, the presidents are not going to take on liability. They're, they're going to make players sign waivers. And some players are going to be willing to do it and say, yeah. you know, if you get COVID, we're not responsible for any long-term effects. We're not responsible, meaning long-term effects to your heart, your lungs that might affect your ability to play pro football. I mean, it's serious stuff. Did you yeah. see the story that Mike Rosenberg wrote uh, for SI.com today? Yeah. That, that came out this morning about what physicians think. I mean, a majority of the 150 uh, people that they talk to, and these are, these are not just physicians. These are people um, familiar with epidemiology and this disease specifically, this affliction specifically, a majority said they wouldn't, they wouldn't advise of NFL players to play. 90% of them said the NBA and NHL bubbles are good. Yes, it's okay to play in those. Uh, they were about split down the middle on Major League Baseball. And I think it was about 58% advised that said NFL players shouldn't be playing. That's NFL players, yeah. not yeah. colleges. So that shows you 
the the ability of this and the in we don't know what this this thing can do to your heart and lungs but there's enough evidence right now there's so many quotes in the story if you haven't read it you need to read it uh, about about how little we know but but we do know now that there can be lasting effects to this where people are wheezing you're talking about young adults who are healthy oh yeah but you can get this anybody but anybody can get cardiomyopathy i mean you know what i mean anybody who gets who even gets that even COVID. that but they're talking about like a 10 to 20 percent uh rate where your, your lungs are maybe permanently damaged. They're seeing yeah. a lot of people. So yeah. that the, they're a little bit out of breath. That's a difference between, as they described it, you know, a first round draft choice and a borderline undrafted player who, yeah. who may not be able to, to, to make any money at all. See, the way I would have approached that, I've talked about that with people. I would have approached it is if you test positive for COVID-19, then you stay on the sideline. But from the standpoint of them, you further follow up and fo- find out whether you have developed, because not everybody develops, by far, not, not everybody develops uh, cardiomyopathy from it, from, from being, and then number two, you don't really know where the guys are getting COVID-19 in the first place if they do test positive. You know, it's like, it's like, but like you're talking about the liability thing, but, but what I want to get to is, you know, the Big Ten Ohio State parents, I think Penn State parents might have written a letter, but, uh, but uh, you know, you know, the, uh, about they want their sons to be able to play. The Big Ten Ohio State parents want their sons to be able to play if the protocols are followed. And, and they are very confident uh, about what Ohio State has done to quell this. And I had one of the parents on, Dr. Corey M. Teague, who's the father of Master Teague III. And I said, well, in a way, aren't you, aren't you in essence, giving them tacit uh, – I didn't use these exact words, but basically a tacit waiver that – in mass, y'all have signed this letter saying uh, we believe in what Ohio State is doing. We believe they'll follow the protocols, you know, et cetera. And we want our sons to be able to have the chance to play football. And then if you follow up and the son then agrees, it's kind of like I think a court of law or I mean, a, ju- a good lawyer would take that and go, they gave their, their in essence, waiver that they, they're not any more concerned about that than they are. They're very much concerned about, pro, you know, their kids are playing, getting concussions, all these other things that you can get from football. They kind of approach it in kind of the same manner, you know, yeah. that yeah. in essence, anybody's career can kind of come to a slow or screeching halt in football, you know, at any moment. You know, you know that. You've been covering games as long as I have. Uh, it's but it's, there's a learning curve on everything. Correct. And we're seven months into this thing. Correct. Where where we were we were decades into supposedly knowing about concussions, and we until we discovered how how we didn't know about concussions. Yeah. Until a few years ago, and now everyone's much more enlightened about what the risks are, and you see a lot of parents not letting their kids play football, not yeah. letting their play, kids play youth football who might have before. So yeah. you're telling me that these, these parents know what they're doing? Well, well, if they want to give their approval, hey, they ain't my kid. Yeah. They ain't my but, kid. Okay. Yeah, but a lot of these parents, you know, they actually play football themselves, the fathers, et cetera. And, uh, you know, they, they've long understood the risks. They've watched their, watched their kids come up through peewee, high school, et cetera. I mean, and you know this too, Dave. Uh, every athlete has his own special – Ilk. Football players don't think 
most of them don't think like you and I do. No, they don't think about <laughs> risk either. I mean, no, no, yeah, I mean, about like, risk. I remember asking Brian Hartline that you were the kid when you were a little kid. You're the guy that went off the 10 meter or platform right. at your That's local right. school right. when you were three years old. Yeah, you, you know? were the kid. You were the kid in the group and said, "Watch this." Yeah, watch <laughs> this. We had nobody. Oh my goodness! Uh, I was a kid that did watch, by the way. <laughs> but it's you know so. I don't know where you, I don't, you know, I'm just confused on where you do come down in this. Cause you know, in Ohio, they're about to play football this weekend, Indiana, I was over at the Indianapolis 500 this past weekend, they opened up, you know, there were a couple of several schools that didn't play because of a COVID outbreak just, or whatever. I just, this is where I land on it. I just want people to know what the risks are. Yeah. I want them to know the liability risks and I hope they know the medical risks. Yeah, uh, not and it's not about dying. Yeah, it's about it's about long term damage. Yeah, to, so quality of life might might lessen their kids' abil- ability to make money at this sport, and it's about paying for long term damage. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people think that universities, their health plans are going to pay for no, it ain't going to yeah. pay for long term damage. Yeah. In fact, yeah. there there was a, a waiver run around Penn State until they they rescinded it saying that any activity at Penn State, you're liable. That, that it's, you were, you were, you were and, and that had to mean football or any other sport, that if you, yeah. get, if you get COVID on this campus from going to school or any activity at the school, that you assume all risk. Now, that is no longer, that's null and void now. But, I mean, this is the stuff that's been flying around. I just want these parents and these kids to know what they're dealing with. And if they want to play, they can play. You know, All right. Of course, Big yeah. Ten. Can't, I know you've got other you've got other obligations you've got other obligations coming up. So let's just get to this real quick. Uh, when does the Big Ten next play football in your mind? You you know you've covered Penn State a long time. You know what it means over there. Even even from talking to that one fan, he threw pies in his face. I hope he recovered. I hope he had a lot of towels. But the bottom line is, when do they start playing football again at Penn State? I will say. I am more optimistic about a vaccine than, than some other people. I am too. My best friend happens to be, he was, he was a, he has degrees in uh, molecular biology and he sells big healthcare um, programs to oncology organizations all over the world. So he's really up to date on um, the, the, the stages, the three stages of the different vaccines that are going on now from all the different companies that AstraZeneca and Moderna and J and J and all of them. And he gives me periodic updates. I believe a vaccine, a viable vaccine may be possible by February, but I don't think by January. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the way it, it seems to be timed. That's just the best guess you're asking me. So I'm saying, yeah, I think March not January. I think a lot of these coaches like Ryan Day wants to get this super team on the field before they all go to the NFL. Well, yes. You know, I, I, I don't think football in January is viable anyway. I, I think a shortened season, both uh, from March to May, like eight games, and then from October to December, eight games is viable. And I know Urban Meyer said, no, no way that's happening. No way. Well, I don't think he was talking about two shortened seasons. And I think you need to do that to protect the players. I don't think he was yeah. talking about 16 games in a calendar year. He was talking about 22 or something. Well, no, yeah. you're not. He was talking about, yeah, he was talking about 2021 
playing yeah. that season as scheduled, you know. And uh, yeah, you, no and, one would do that. Yeah. But of course, yeah. But I mean, there you're are contracts. Have to order both. Yeah. You're going to have to yeah. order both seasons, and I think you have to play in weather. That that's you can't be flying guys to domes. Yeah, I, mean, I know. That's crazy. Yeah, you you, you got to be able to play in the weather where you are. Well. March to May, I looked at the I looked at the numbers. You know, I'm kind of a, a closet meteorologist, and I got all these Penn State meteorology buddies, and it's a huge meteorology school. It's almost like Oklahoma, yeah, you know, big meteorology school. And March, pretty much equals November weather-wise, and May equals September. Yeah, I mean, weather is much more amenable. I think you're just going to have to say bye bye to the eight or ten. What do you think at Ohio State? Eight or ten guys going to the NFL? Probably. Yeah. yeah, I think you're just going to have to say bye-bye and bring up, bring up the next group. they got yeah. enough guys. Tragedy is not the right word here because nobody at Ohio State There's no is, tragedy. It's just gotten, that Ryan Day's not going to that super. I know. But, man, man alive, it's kind of like it – I liken this to the 2015 team. Now, it did have that one ridiculous loss to Michigan State. But I'm telling you, this was going to be a team for the ages for Ohio State. It would be like an SEC team, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a team for – they're going to have the best quarterback in the country, I think, in the final analysis. Uh, mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence might give it – but my point is the offensive line was going to be ridiculous. They were going to be great. Yeah. yeah. And that offensive line has been really good the last year or so. Yeah. Like but this year and a half. But yeah. the core group they got back and the guys they got – I mean, almost everybody across the board except one guy is a five-star, and he would have been if he hadn't transferred – High schools. I'm talking about Thayer Munford, but and I digress. Penn State, Penn State and, would have been Penn State would have been right on their butts. Too. Yes, I mean they yeah. were they were going to be as good a team as 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 Franklin's ever had, and it sucks. But yeah, we already lost Micah Parsons. Yeah, um, Micah Parsons opted out simply because he didn't need this noise. You know, yeah, he, it's he didn't need it. And I think a lot of the guys. Uh, do you think that some of these guys would play in January if it got to that? I think a lot of those guys would opt out. That's what I'm saying. Here's the thing I'm getting to here. We just talked about the college football playoff. We talked about the college football playoff. You're going to start your season the same weekend the college football playoffs playing their championship game. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's how crazy it could be. You're saying if they played in January. But I'm just saying is, if, if what you, get, what are you if playing you for? January, yeah. I'm just saying if you get to January and these guys are going to be drafted, they're going to be going, yeah, I don't know. If no, I just threw that out there because my, that's my point is what are you playing for? I mean, the Heisman Trophy probably is going to be decided. Uh, the championships are going to – I mean, what are you playing for? And like I told, told Angelique, it's more like a glorified spring practice. Timbo, Timbo, why are they playing now? Yeah. They're playing for the money. They're playing yeah. for the TV contract. Everyone's yeah. playing for the money. The players are playing for a chance to get the NFL. Yeah. Uh, the, the schools are playing for the TV money. It's all money. I yeah. Mean, and they'll get better rates. Very frankly, and this is the last thing, because I do have to go. I'm going to be on a, a Jack Eblen show in East Lansing. Way to give him a plug. Go ahead now. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think this, with with no fans or a few fans, and and we don't know if there's bands. Yeah, this isn't going to be what we love about college football. No. It's not. No. It's going to be like everyone thought they wanted baseball, and then they look at this product. That ain't it, man. I just covered the Indy 500 for the 36th or 37th straight time. No crowd. No crowd. It was not the same. No. But they did get the Indy 500 2020 in, if you follow my drift. This isn't getting the 2020 season in. 
no. by doing that. So and people would just be, I think they're going to be really disappointed if they do see the product. Cause it's not, it's, it's, we say they're doing it for the money. Well, that's not why we loved college football. Right. NFL is for the money. Right. Money all through it. But you can also you see where it, they would do it. it. You watch it because it's the best. But you can also see where they do it where all the like you started this program, the, all the sweat equity that's gone into it, et cetera, for a team to get to the point like an Alabama or Ohio State or a Clemson where you're just at that elite level and you don't get a chance to see the 2020 team strut its stuff for one of another term. Forget the money. You know, there's going to be huge disappointment. But like you said, this is not the – this is the strangest year of all time. This, is, this wouldn't be the product that we love. Yeah. Because what yeah. we love, dude, is not a product. It's an experience. Yeah. What we love about it is the experience. Yeah. The crowd. In the a band. If you go to the horseshoe or you go to the beef and you see that and you see the end of the games like we have seen between Penn State and Ohio State, what, the last – God. But incredible games yeah. the last five Oh, yeah. Years. Oh, yeah. But, 16 and 17 and 18 uh, all in a row were just amazing yeah and it raises our levels as writers oh yeah i mean you you this is what we live for is you just to got write, me fired write up stories write yeah. stories on games like this to describe this experience this ain't gonna be that He's made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Go well, ahead. Now. We love it, man. Yeah. People think we don't love it like they love it. We love it at least as much as they love it. Yeah. But this ain't going to be it. You know why? Because we put up a lot of, you know what, to get the coverage. <laughs> <laughs> how about, how about riding, riding with leaf blowers going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or how about that night when, the, when, a, when a couple consummated uh, their love uh, on, the, on the O in the middle of the stadium, uh, Ohio Stadium one night when they thought no one was looking except. What? Oh, about 150 sports riders up in the – Weren't you out there the kicking your field goal? Weren't you out there <laughs> kicking your ceremonial yeah. field goal? Yeah, anyway. Uh, hey, Dave, it's always a slice, man. I appreciate no, I you do. coming on the Tim May Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Dave Jones, and you're missing a treat if you don't read him religiously at pinlive.com. This has been another Tim May Podcast. Thanks for joining us.